Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. You know, I don't, I don't really think I've ever specifically talked about that open. So that's a kid that went to, what was the college, UCLA maybe or UC Berkeley, some some college in California where they were about to ban parties, just all of them, like stricter rules against against having them. And, you know, he, he says in there, beer pong with real integrity. And I got to I gotta be honest, as someone with a, a checkered beer pong past that I, no, no integrity needed. If you want to bounce it off the table going for the double cups, depending on where you're playing that's allowed, then you go for it. If the if the cup is not sitting on the edge and you think it's about to fall, then you throw that ball as hard as you can at it to get it to fall. Sure, it'll create a mess, but you're going to get that cup off that table. So we don't need integrity, I think, in our beer pong. Maybe they play it differently in California. I'm not sure, but uh, I, I don't need I don't need no integrity when I'm playing uh, when we're playing beer pong. The Sabres are less than a week away from unrestricted free agency. The NHL is a week away from the free agent period. We are now into the restricted free agent window where teams can begin talking to restricted free agents. And it's amazing, I think, that it's been six years and counting since our last offer sheet. This whole week is going to be very important to this discussion we have tonight and that we've had throughout the day on the station. Lots of offer sheet talk. Aho, Marner, uh, all of these guys, Line A, whoever you want that's a, that's a restricted free agent right now. Braden Point. The word offer sheet has creeped back into our vocabulary because it finally seems like it could happen. And if this offseason of all offseasons, if it does not happen this year, I have a feeling that it's going to the conversation will go away probably forever. Because if it doesn't happen this year, it really feels like it's never going to happen. Um, lots of offers she talked tonight. 8030550 is the phone number. It's not a given. Like, it's not a gimme that everyone wants to do this. There is a steep price to be paid, not just in your organization, but as an individual professionally, an individual general manager. Um, so it, it's, not, it's not an easy decision. But I'm wondering 
if this is going to be the year that it finally happens because it's reading like if it's going to happen this is the year that it's going to it's going to be the that's going to be the case. We've also got a story from Matt Larkin, the hockey news. He's been on the station a bunch of times. He's he wrote about Matt Duchesne today and he's very plugged in. He he knows he knows the game. He's plugged into his sources and I don't think he was reporting anything on this front, but he mentions the fact that Matt Duchesne is a very realistic idea for the Buffalo Sabres. And I, I, I brought this up the other day when Joe Pavelski was brought up. I don't think Joe Pavelski was ever, ever really going to be in the playing cards for the Sabres. They can want him all they want. I, I don't blame anyone in the Sabre building for, if the, if the reports are true, that they called Joe Pavelski to gauge interest for both sides. Because you know the Sabres want him. Of course. He's 35, sure. But he hasn't slowed down. The guy had 38 goals last year. And he's still a great player. And he has that veteran presence, that leadership, that you would probably want to add to your young mix. So, of course, yeah, I'm going to want Joe Pavelski. I'll probably even pay him more than anybody else would pay him. But he's not coming here. Think about where that guy is in his career. A whole career with the San Jose Sharks. A whole career of... Just missing out on the Stanley Cup. Like, playoff season after playoff season after playoff season. A cup final appearance. A, a, bu- a bunch of conference finals appearances. And he never gets over that last hump. He's got how many years left? He's a realistic guy, I'm sure. You're 35. You're in the NHL. Even if you're still producing. What do you think? Four or five years tops? Maybe Yager would make you think, hey, maybe I got six or seven. But, realistically, four or five tops. And... If that's the case, he's only going to want to go to a team that he thinks he can be the final piece to the puzzle. And that is not here. There are multiple pieces left to finish the Sabre puzzle. Pavelski can definitely look at this situation right now and think, all right, they'll be better. They might even be a playoff team if I go there. But they're not winning the Stanley Cup. We're in the same division as the Leafs, the Bruins, who were just a game away from winning. The Lightning, who were the most talented team in the league last year, set records in the regular season. Oh, and the Florida Panthers got a lot better. And they hired Joel Quenville as their coach. Actually, the Panthers have not yet to get a lot better, but I guess I'm already assuming they're going to get either Bobrovsky, uh, Panarin, or both. So that could happen. Why would I go there? That's not going to be... I'm not. This isn't one more last gasp to win the cup. That's not what Buffalo's ready to do. Duchesne is different. Matt Duchesne is very different. He is 28 years old. He is not yet at that point in his career. What is he looking for right now? The big contract. And what the Sabres have to offer right now is money. They have it. They have $50 million in cap space coming up next year. Sure, you've got to sign a couple guys. Darlene, we'll see what that looks like right off the bat. It's probably going to be very big. Uh, You're going to have Reinhardt, who is going to be a lot more expensive than if you signed him last year. But that's it. That's it. Middlestat's going to get a bridge contract. Rodriguez is going to be on these little contracts probably for a little bit. I don't see the upside in his game to think I have to pay him big. Where does that land me? That lands me with a lot of cap space. And why not use it on a guy that would fill the void that was left by Ryan O'Reilly? At least part of it. He fills that second line void better than anybody you can find right now. Anyone else on free agency. Better than Pavelski. Even on a short-term basis, especially, well, maybe not on a short-term basis, I think it might be pretty close there point-wise, but especially on a long-term basis there. Trade. I'd love to trade Ristolainen. 
for a second-line center. Is that second-line center going to be as good as Matt Duchesne? It almost seems far-fetched at this point to think you're even going to get a Ryan Nugent Hopkins out of a, a Ristolina trade. And I like Nugent Hopkins. He's a very good player. I don't think you're getting him for Ristolina, but even if you did, 56 to 65 seems to be about where his point totals land. And Duchesne is a little bit better than that, a little step up, a little more consistent. So even there, I have an upgrade. I'm paying more for it, but on the ice, I'm doing better in that regard. I love the Duchesne idea. I think it's realistic. As Matt Larkin points out in his piece, um, he says that you know it's almost like the Jeff Skinner thing all over again. What was one of the big selling points, it seemed, for Skinner staying here? It was that his family is from about roughly Toronto and that they can drive to Sabre games. They no longer have to catch a flight and only see a few a year in Carolina. They can basically come to uh, to Buffalo whenever they want to see him play. Duchesne is from close by as well. Hal- Halliburton, Ontario, I believe it is. As Larkin says, Buffalo is the closest NHL city to his hometown. That could be a factor. The money could be a factor. I think there's enough to sell him on in the organization, player-wise, to sell him on, all right, you know what? This is why Pavelski wouldn't come here. We get it. We're not ready to win the Stanley Cup. But we can make the playoffs this year for sure. And if you look at Darlene, who's 19, you look at Eichel, who's 22, you look at Reinhardt, who's 23. Skinner is here for eight more years now. He's still only 27. We're going to be good for a long time. And we'll get we'll get to great. I think you can definitely sell Matt Duchesne on Buffalo. I think he might be, amazingly, because I think he's arguably the most valuable free agent on the market past Artemi Panarin. I think the Sabres have a real good shot at him. And I think they should have a real good shot at him. And I think he should be their priority one going into July 1st. Not, not trading Ristolainen for a second-line center. Not offer-sheeting, even though I like the idea of offer-sheeting. I don't need to be paying four first-round picks for a Mitch Marner if I can get this guy for not, for just the cap hit. Donskoy, good idea. Love Donskoy. I think his underlying numbers have made him underrated in the league. I think you look at what Jonas Donskoy is right now for the San Jose Sharks. What is he? He's a third liner. He's scoring 30 to 40 points a year. I think 39 maybe was his career high last season. Good. Doesn't quite have the numbers on the surface to be an exciting idea, but he does have the underlying numbers to be a good idea. But he's not Matt Duchesne. And if I can get that accomplished, which I think is realistic, then that's the big fish I need to be chasing. That's where I need to be putting most of my efforts, if I'm the Sabres, going to July 1. So to me, Matt Duchesne is my priority one for the Sabres. I want to know what you think about that. What do you think their priority one should be for the rest of the offseason, especially on free agency? We've talked a lot about offer sheets today, and I'm not, I, I like that idea too. I don't like it as much as the idea of signing Duchesne, but I like it. Look around the RFA market. Brock Besser in Vancouver. The reports are not close on a contract. Toronto, they're still talking to to uh, Marner, but at this point, doesn't seem like a contract is close.
There's reports today, I think, out of Winnipeg. Kyle Connor, 30-goal scorer, super good young player, not close on a contract. Line A's yet to sign one. I haven't heard much about him, but he hasn't signed. There's another player I'm forgetting right now that was, uh, oh, oh, um, Aho. Today, John Shannon says on radio in Vancouver, oh, you know, the, the, the deal looks like for Aho it'll be about eight years, six million dollars per year. Fast forward about three, four hours. Frank Cervelli from TSN. Uh, the ask from Aho is actually five years, $9.5 million per year. So what does that tell you? John Shannon's got a source with the Hurricanes that's saying the Hurricanes want to pay him $6 million a year. Cervelli's got a source from the Ajo camp that says Ajo wants to be paid $9.5 million. Hmm. $6 million, $9.5 million. Doesn't sound like those two sides are very close, is it either? So I've got four, five, maybe even six really good restricted free agents that are not all that close to signing big contracts. And, you know... I just mentioned Duchesne is my favorite idea, but would Ajo sign with you for 10 or 10.5 with the term he wants at five years? Because that's intriguing to me. And I like, I, maybe the biggest reason I think offer sheets are possible this year isn't just the caps situations of some of these teams that have them. Players are getting smarter. You want to maximize your unrestricted free agent years. If you're Marner, if you're Ajo, if you're Connor, you're 21, 22 years old. Don't sign an eight-year deal now. Get your next contract and get your next contract at 29. Lots of players have hit a cliff by the time they hit the age of 29. Maybe you don't get the monster deal. Especially with the cap going up every single year. You sign a five-year deal. You hit the UFA market at 26 again. And then... Hey, guess what? Now, between the ages of 26 and 28, I'm not an underpaid player in the league because I signed a smart contract when I was younger that was going to make sure that, hey, with the rising cap year to year to year, that I'm going to make sure that I'm getting paid my fair due. And I can't do that if I'm locked into a certain salary for eight years. You sign a five-year deal. You hit the UFA market at 26. Hey, maybe you want to do it again. Sign a three-, four-year contract and maybe hit free agency again at 30. Maximize your money. That's what NBA players have been doing for years. The star players. If you're a lower level, like a second, third liner, you probably want to cash in as quick as possible. But if you are Mitch Marner, who is the 90-point player in the league, a highly drafted, highly touted star player for the Toronto Maple Leafs, sure, there's the risk of injuries. That's why I'm not signing a one-year contract. But do I need to sign an eight-year deal? Same with these other players. Marner especially... Is just seems on the hunt for another team to give him an offer. That's the way it sounds. That's the way it reads. And I just I can't imagine that we're not going to get one this year. I, I can't imagine it. I, I really can. I mean, six years in a row we haven't had one. O'Reilly with the avalanche is the last time it happened. And you know, as much blame as we put on teams for not chasing these offer sheets, GMs for not chasing these offer sheets, agents should get just as much blame. What's the job of an agent? You want to keep your player happy. You want to keep him in the location he wants to be in. But you also want to get the most money for him that you can. Getting another team to drive up the price is a tool that agents should have been using for years and years and years. 
So I think maybe you need to have a change in their thought process as well. And that affects their pockets too. They take a percentage of all of these players' salaries. The agent does. Wouldn't you want them to get the most money possible? If I can find a team that's going to offer sheet my player and maybe double his salary. Not double, but raises significantly. 25% maybe. That's certainly something you should be chasing. As for the Sabres, on the offer sheet idea, I would definitely put it up there. Duchesne's my favorite idea, but offer sheets is close. Because... You know what, at some point, you just, you run out of patience, don't you? And it's probably not a super smart idea to do, but it doesn't sound like an all that bad idea to me, that even though, yeah, you're giving up a lot, a lot of cap space and four first round picks, that's dangerous. It is super dangerous, but it's hard for me to see an idea as completely risky as this when what you're getting is a... Let's say it's Aho or Marner. Those are 21, 22-year-old forwards that are scoring 90 points. How much of a risk do I really have? That's about as sure thing as you get in the league. I'm not signing a 28-year-old free agent hoping the cliff doesn't that he doesn't drive off a cliff in the next year or two. I'm getting a guy that has yet to even get to the prime of his career. So for the Sabres' sake, one point that I thought was brought up today on Chopin the Bulldog that I haven't really heard yet, was, well, look at Jason Bottrell. Jason Bottrell is a younger GM in this league. It's his first crack at the job. And you know what? It might not work. So far, no good. Right? He's, he's two years in, and how much rope does he have left? Maybe he's already thinking in the back of his mind, like, all right, where am I going to go next? Am I going to go back to Pittsburgh? I, I'm sure he's not had any serious thought about that. But... It's got to be in the back of your mind. And the thought process of, hey, is this NHL GM going to not do this because he wants to make sure he continues to have a job in the league? Well, my, like to me, this shouldn't be a move that has to come from your ownership, that has to come from the Pagulas. Because then my thought is, if that's the case, and a guy like Jason Bottrell would have to be worried about, hey, if I offer sheet Toronto, Brennan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas who's also like the youngest GM in the league, if I do that, well, then I have to worry about getting my job back with Pittsburgh as assistant GM, or I have to worry about working for the Hurricanes, or the Lightning, or the Wild, or the Golden Knights. Are NHL executives such petulant children that they won't hire a guy because, oh, he offersheeted my friend? I mean, if that's the case, get over yourselves and do what's best for your team. Because doing what's best for your team should be what is best for your career. If I'm an owner, I would want the GM that was willing to do that. Hey, that's the guy over there that was not afraid to offend all of his GM buddies because he thought that was the best move for his team. And that even if it might make it harder for him to go forward in his career, negotiating with these guys, getting a job with these guys if he ever got fired, he did it anyway because he thought it was the best move for his team. That's how an owner needs to be treating this situation. So I would hope that the Pagulas, who at this point I don't think are super hands-on in the hockey department, if, if at all, are okay with the idea of offer sheets. But it has to come from the GM. It has to come from the GM. And the GM can't be afraid to do it. And the GM 
also, to me, has to do it in a situation where the player is good enough that and young enough that it's not going to be as risky as it could be. 803-0550 is the phone number. What is your, what should the Sabres' number one priority be for free agency, for next week? Could be anything. Could be Duchesne. Could be a lower-level signing, a couple of lower-level signings, like Don Skoy is an example that keeps getting brought up. Um, should it be a Ristolainen trade? Or should it be offer sheets? Marner, Ajo. I haven't heard anything about Matthew Kachuk uh, having contract issues with Calgary, but he's my favorite player to watch that has never been a Sabre. Like, you know, you got your list of favorite players, and for the most part, as a Sabre fan, it's a list of former Sabres. Number one on that list that's not a Sabre is Matthew Kachuk. I love watching him play. You know, I'd love to throw some big money at him. Uh, that might be the one I'm not really sure is realistic, though, because I haven't heard anything uh, or we haven't read anything about even teams inquiring uh, on him. But we do have reports that teams have inquired on Ajo. We have, of course, Marner talking to other teams. Um, there's some Kyle Connor stuff that he's not close with the Jets. There's been Line A rumors going back to the trade deadline. So really, like this, this could be a wide open uh, RFA market coming up, and I hope it is. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty is the phone number. Let's go to Ken in Lackawanna. Ken, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hi, how are you? Good. How about yourself? I want to tell you, man, you are on the same page as me. I've been saying right along. All right, Shane. We can afford them, and, and actually, there's two players I want. We could afford both of them if he plays his cards right, dumps the people we don't need, and you free up some more cap. I want Kessel too from Pittsburgh. Ooh. Okay, what t- what type of trade would you be looking for there? Like, what would you be wanting to give up? Is that like a Ristolainen deal? Uh, yeah, I would give. I hate to do it, but if I could get Kessel, and um, I see to me, like he's not the name I thought about when we're talking about a Ristolainen trade. A lot of times, we kind of I think think of younger players like Nugent Hopkins is the name that always seems to come up. But I like the idea of Kessel. Sure, he's a little bit older, but the production has been great for years and years. And, I was- and I'm not sure I'd be too worried about. You know, there's the there's the argument. Hey, he's only putting up these big numbers because he's playing with Malkin and Crosby. Well, if he's playing with Jack Eichel, I, I'm assuming that he's not going to take a huge hit on those numbers. And and he's like Duchesne. What I mean by that, they both can score. They'll go in the corner, dig for the puck, and we lack that right now. If you hit, if they hit you, you'll hit them back, and that's what they do. And Kessel's not afraid to go in front of the net. Neither is Duchesne. And Pittsburgh's cap is a mess. And I and I heard he wants out of Pittsburgh. Um. All right, uh, Ken. Thanks for the call. I, I I maybe lost you a little bit there. Like I I don't think I'm signing Duchesne and Kessel because they're fighting in front of the net and going into the corners. Like I'm signing I'm trading for Kessel because he's going to score from anywhere in the offensive zone, and I'm signing Duchesne because he's going to he's going to break the ankles of some defenseman, and he's going to dangle the hell out of him and go to the net and set somebody up. So like. I, I, I don't want to tell you you're wrong on that front, but that's not why I think I'm acquiring those guys. They're veterans, but they're skilled. That's why I'm getting them. Let's go to Chris in Williamsville. Chris, what's up? You're on the nightcap. Hey, buddy. Um, while I love the idea of the Duchesne thing, it seems like the Nashville stuff is pretty out there. What I was thinking, because yeah. Vancouver is not going well with Besser, maybe risk in and because they're in a bit of a cap crunch, see if there's a way we could, if we had to, take that recapture penalty from Luongo, then take a run at Ajo. Interesting. Fix both lines because 
Eichel's a playmaker. You could put Fesser and Skinner on his wing. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just did you just present me a situation where the Sabers get Aho and Besser? I, I, it's far fetched, I know, but uh, you know, I'm, I love it. It's definitely far fetched, but yeah, I love it. Well, I mean, you know, because I mean, if they're if they're looking at five at nine and a half, and they only want to give him six, you know, at over eight, which might be a sticking point too, let alone the money. Right, and with the with the restricted free agency, it's it's the average of five years or whatever that total contract value is. So if you you, know, you got to shoot for the moon, it's the highest five year average. So hypothetically, if you took eight and eight, that sixty four actually only gets averaged over over the five years. But figure, worst comes to worst, kind of if they don't want to take a run at that, maybe flip them that second that we got from St. Louis to try to get our third back. And then that'll give us an offer sheet to up yeah. a million for the first, second, and third for next year. I- right, because I was going to say, you can't offer sheet a guy right now for less than 10 unless it's like down to four. So you'd have to reacquire your third-round pick somehow, I think from Carolina. To, to offer, That's the, if you wanted to offer, well, that's interesting too. Think about that. <laughs> Aho, I didn't even put that two, two and two together. If you wanted to offer sheet Aho at $9 million, $9.5 million, well, you need your third-round pick back, but you can't get your third-round pick back unless Carolina some way gives it to you. So I think Aho, you'd probably have to give him north of 10, 10 or more. Right, right. but if you, like I said, if you, if you can figure out for Waddell to give us back our third, flip them the second that we've got next year with St. Louis, since they have to be our own picks, then we then we line up our first, second, and third, and then we can go up to I think what is it, ten point four? Yeah, ten point four. We make it real heavy up front with the signing bonus, maybe like a one million uh, base, and then you know seven and a half, uh, you know, due on July one, and then do the same thing in, in year two. So you're paying out you know north of seventeen million in the first two years, mm-hmm. from what I've. From what I've heard, right, right. It's just rumors that uh, Carolina's new owner is not down with uh, spending the cash, and you know, because you have a cap, doesn't mean that's what the actual budget is. So, yeah, Chris, th- thanks for the call, man. I-, I I like where your mind is going. I would definitely have to say though, like in that case, Carolina's got to almost help you offer sheet one of their own players. So. I'm not saying that it's completely far-fetched that they would. It's definitely, I think, far-fetched. But I don't want to say it's completely impossible they would offer sheet Aho, but they're not doing it for less than 10.4. I think of your two ideas, I think the Besser idea is more realistic. If they are not close on a contract and they want to add to their blue line, there are the rumors they want to pay Tyler Myers $8 bucks a year. I can go to them and say, hey, you're not close on this Besser deal. Here's Ristolainen at 5.4. He's better than Myers, and you have to pay him $3 million less over what you might want to pay him. That's And you, you definitely have to sweeten that. Maybe it is, like you mentioned, taking on that uh, the recapture penalty that Luongo presents for them because they've got $3 million less on their cap now than everybody else for the next three years. So maybe I can help them out in that way to get it done. Maybe I add in a draft pick. But I think getting Besser out of Winnipeg is more likely than getting Aho out of Carolina. But these are the ideas you want to be talking about. And that can only be the case if teams are willing to offer sheet and agents are willing to offer sheet and players are willing to sign them. If that's the case, Besser should be gettable. They're not close on a contract. Winnipeg is clearly trying to accomplish something on their blue line. Here's a way to do it. 
Vancouver. I might have said Winnipeg. Here's a way to do it, Vancouver. Here's Ristolainen and maybe a first. You're going to give us this restricted free agent that you're not close on term with, term-wise, and we're going to give you more cap space. That should be an idea that someone doesn't hang up the phone on you for. Let's go to Nick in Buffalo. Nick, you're on the nightcap. What's it going? Well, how's it going? How you doing, guys? Good. You know, the Zuzian Hopkins, the Duchesnes, the Ajos, those guys are never, we're never getting those guys. It, it's just not happening. Why do you think they're not getting Duchesne? Like, why do you just dismiss the idea that they're getting Duchesne? Because he's at the point of his career where he wants to be with a winner. and that's- why, 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 why does he want to be there? He's like 27, 28. He's probably looking for the big contract. But didn't he make it? He made it when he was 18. He's been in the league for 10 years, isn't he? Yeah, sure. Okay. But he was on an entry-level deal for four or five of those years, or three or four of those years. Aside for a minute. Hold on. I, will, I want to get the, I think the Sabres, we need to get gritty. We've got enough goal scorers and that kind of guy. They do not have enough goal scorers. Do you, did you watch last season? Their first line would leave the ice, and they'd have no capability of scoring goals. Because we didn't have the type of plumbers to get the puck to these guys in the corner. We need guys like Michael Furland of Carolina, Warren Fogle of Carolina, those kind of guys, the diggers, the guys, bigger guys who go into the corner, dig the puck out for our stuff Nick, so that they can do what they got to do. Nick, all they had last year was guys that would go into the corner. Larson, Giergensen, and Oposo. That was a line last year that was always working the puck around the boards. I gave them credit for always having the puck. They would go in there. They would body check the guy, the defenseman. They would forecheck. They would get the puck back. But you know what happened? They could never turn it into a goal because they didn't have the skill to do it. That's what they're missing. They don't have the goal scorers. They have the plumbers. I disagree with that. I they, they, I don't remember anybody digging the puck out of the corner. I know you guys go to the corner. The one comes out. It is always a defensive guy. They're getting out of the zone quicker. Our our D has pinched because of Housley's system and Florian Oil. We're getting caught with our pants down. Two on one breaks developing like crazy. I think it was a system thing. I think we need to wait a year and see what Kruger's system looks like from a defensive point alone and then make a decision where we got to go. I believe all yes last year on Housley's system. I really do. I even think Roussellin, even though I want to see him trade, I would not be mad if he did. I still think, I think if we gave this team one year just to see what they look like in a defensive-minded system, stay-at-home system, and see what we have, and if it still looks like crap, we are still going to get a. We're going to get a number one draft pick and the top five pick because we're not going to be going down too much and we're not going to be moving up. That's for sure. So we could grab another guy. I think next year is our year. We got fifty million to buy in the cap. I do not think we should reach out and spend everything we need to this year. I am willing to wait one more year. And after one more year, next year, I would say absolutely do what you got to do and go crazy. I would. W- I want to just wait one more year. <laughs> I, I, dude, thanks for the call, man. I, I lost you at Michael Furland over Duchesne, and like, oh my god, like, how can anybody out there think that their problem was they weren't gritty enough last year? All they had was third and third and fourth liners. They couldn't score. That's what they need. They have a chance to do it. They have a chance to do it this year. Can't imagine that's a popular opinion. Um, thank you for the call, but like, no plumbers. How many fourth more fourth liners do I need? Furland is good. You know why I think Furland's good? Because he gives you forty points a year on a cheap contract, and he does provide some energy. 
But th- that can't be my solution to finding ways to score. That can't be my main priority in the offseason. They've got way bigger issues than what that guy was just talking about. Way bigger issues. 8030550 is the phone number. We'll take more of your calls on the other side of this break. Duchesne, offer sheets, Donskoy if you want them. Some of those lower level, maybe Furland. Or Aristolainen trade. Like, what should the Sabres' top priority be for next week when free agency opens? It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Yeah, it's definitely a last resort. I mean, it, it's it's an aggressive move. And from a spectator's point of view, I think it would be great theater. But if you're in Jason Bottle and you go for, uh, you know, a, a marquee superstar player, one of these RFAs, and you give up four firsts, those aren't lottery protected. Like, you better make the playoffs. Sportsnet's Luke Fox. Joined Chopin the Bulldog earlier today. Find that on demand at WGR550.com. I uh, agree. Better make the playoffs if you do a move like that. But here's the thing. Despite what that last caller from last segment might have thought, what is the biggest need of this team? Blue line is probably tied for first. But scoring goals and creating offense is a huge need for this team. And if you added Mitch Marner... This team is making the playoffs, I think. I mean, he is so good. He is a 90-point player, and sure, he feeds off of his centerman a lot, but he's also an amazing playmaker in his own right. Um, So I would not be worried about him coming here and taking a drop in his production. And if I'm adding an 80-90-point player to the roster I already had, think I'm a playoff team. 803-0550 is the phone number. If you want to get in on the conversation, what should the Sabres' top priority be going into next week into free agency? My answer at this point is Matt Duchesne. Uh, a couple different answers on the text line. Offer sheet, a lot of offer sheet. Different players. Aho, uh, Jim here on the text line likes the idea of going after Line H, trying to put Winnipeg in a situation that they might not be able to get themselves out of. Because you offer sheet Line A, and they're going to have tr- trouble signing Connor and doing other stuff. So you'd put them in a bind. 803 is the number, like I said. We'll hear from Tage Thompson in a bit. He had some interesting things to say at development camp today. Weird that he's there, considering he's played over 100 games, but he was. So we'll hear from him uh, in the next segment, probably. Let's go to Gene and Eden. Gene, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you tonight? Good. How about yourself? Not too bad. I was just going to say, um, yeah, if you want a plumber, you can call Roto-Rooter, but um, I don't really want to see any more plumbers on the Sabres. We need goal scorers, and um, I don't really want to offer sheet a guy just because I feel like if we offer sheet a guy like Mitch Marner, I'd love to have him, but I think that'll hurt us more than that'll help us. But speaking of Toronto, I wouldn't mind trying to go get a guy like Nazem Kadri from them because I think he could be had for a reasonable price in a trade. Um, I'd like to see a, a Furland guy wouldn't be bad to sign. But we only have three legit top six forwards on this team. But second-line center is probably our biggest need, and cleaning up the blue line is probably number two. And I don't think we're really that far off on the blue line, though. Just yeah. thoughts. So I, I like the Kadri idea. I like him as a player. I think he would fit well here. Here's the thing, though. If I do that, are, am I not afraid that I'm helping out my division rival getting themselves out of the bind that they're already in? 
I, I don't think I don't think you're you're worried about that because Toronto's losing a heck of a player and Nazem Kadri does provide a lot of the grit on that team. So he's kinda he's kind of a need for the Sabres. Wouldn't they be more worried about making us better? Because I think that's yeah. what we're missing right now. Yeah, no, that that's right. That that's a good point. Chris, thanks for the call because I, I do agree with that. Like your your number one priority, you're right, should be is this helping my team? And if it's a division rival, fine. Maybe that makes me a little less inclined to do it, but I should be worried about what my uh, what what I want my team to do. Um, and to be honest, like we had Jeff Blair in the station today, Sportsnet five ninety, and I mean, if you hear him, I'll play it here. The Leafs are after picks, so maybe you could get Kadri for just picks. They would rather have the draft picks because the one thing the Leafs need is cheap labor in the next three or four years, even if Marner doesn't sign. And they've still got some big contracts that they've got to take care of. I talked to someone last week going into the draft, and they said, hey, for the Leafs, draft picks are gold. Second-round draft picks, third round, those are, that's gold. They need they basically need to find another two Andrea Fiancens this year. right? And that's the way it's going to be every year because they're going to be a top-heavy team paying a lot of money for the first guys on the first two lines and the top pairing defenseman. There's Jeff Blair. Um, maybe I could get Kadri for two seconds. I don't know if I'd want to do that for a first. I mean, he's a good player, but am I trading a first-round pick? I mean, he does have a $4.5 million cap. It's not bad. He'll be 29, 44 points last year, 55, 44 points last year, um, playing 16 minutes a night. Four, 55 the year before that, 61. So I wouldn't give up a first-round pick for him, but I'd like to get him. Good cap hit, too. Um, he's a jerk. I hate him on the Leafs, but maybe that's one of those situations where he comes here and I'd love him. Let's uh, take one more call. Let's go to Chris in Silver Creek. Chris, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Hey. Uh, I'd have to agree with you on the Duchesne or Aho or Marner. Um, I know that last year I noticed that our second line didn't look near as good. Now, we've got some decent workhorses on the third and the fourth line. But I believe that we have guys like C.J. Smith that will probably be up this year, Victor Olofsson that will probably be up this year. And I think a guy like Duchesne or Ajo is just the guy you want with those young players ready to go. Um, C.J. Smith and Olofsson, in my opinion, are better than your Gergensen, your Larson, your Ocposo. Maybe not against the boards, but they are better. I would not like to see them trade Ristolainen. I, I would love to keep Risto. I think he is a great uh, defenseman. He has the potential to be a great defenseman if we can figure this whole scheme out. I think if you, if you want to get rid of somebody, which, I mean, you're not going to trade him because nobody wants him, maybe Scandella, get rid of him. I Who? A big Who? Scandella. Oh, Scandella. I wasn't a big fan of them uh, – Shooting McCabe an offer, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, because you got, you got guys like Lawrence Pilot, and I know that he's injured right now. He just had shoulder surgery. But he'll probably be up after Thanksgiving next year. And Will Borgen, I think he's ready to come up. So yeah. got your replacements right there, in, in my opinion. And Will Borgen is a physical guy. And I think he would compliment Darlene Risto uh, real well. It, it's, I like your point there because, to me, it's – you make a certain kind of point. You want to keep Ristolainen because that's what my best option is for my blue line. I agree with that. You are better if you move Scandella. Your defense is better if Scandella's not there as opposed to Ristolainen. And honestly, I think I agree with you. Borgen 
is young, probably could use a little more grooming in Rochester. We'll see what he looks like at camp. I've, I haven't seen him at development camp yet. Um, but is it that far-fetched to think that Will Borgen this upcoming year can at least give me what Marco Scandella did last year? Because that was not much. The, here's the thing, though. The idea of trading Ristolainen isn't that's going to make my blue line better, which they still do need to do. But the idea of trading Ristolainen is he's the defenseman that's going to get me something significant back. You trade Scandella, if you can even find a team that'll take Scandella, you're getting not much. McCabe is good. I like McCabe. But you find a, if you trade McCabe, I don't think you're going to get as much as you think you're going to. You might get a decent third-line player, but I'm not getting some 50-60 point guy to put in my second line. Unless I pair him with something else really nice. That's where the idea of trading Ristolainen comes from. Otherwise, though, I don't disagree with you. 803-0550 is the phone number. Thanks for the call. We'll hear a little from Tage Thompson as we progress. Greg Wyshynski in hour number two will be our interview of the day. He was on with Howard and Jeremy earlier uh, in the morning. Offer sheets, Duchesne, Furland, Donskoy, the lower level free agents, or Ristolainen and trade. What should the Sabres' number one priority be? For Monday, when free agency opens. 803 is the phone number. It is the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Welcome back. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. You know, it's funny. The Sneaky Joe nickname, I don't really call myself Sneaky Joe. I don't know, I always feel weird about calling myself what my nickname is. Um, I'm I'm glad, though, that it came about. So I think as some people have picked up on, I do say my name kind of fast. And a lot of people think my name was Jody, which I don't like. But whatever, fair. The nickname Sneaky Joe, the one, the one thing it has done, it served as like a vessel to destroy Jody. No one lo- no longer thinks that. I like that. Um... Anyways, that came about. My Twitter handle, at SneakyJoeWGR. If you go there, I put up a poll related to our conversation tonight. Number one priority for the Sabres. I put it as, if you can only have one, which do you choose? Marner at $11 million, plus you got to go before first-round picks. Duchesne at $9 million, which I think is about what he'll get. Donskoy at 4 which I think is what about he'll get. Or Ristolainen for his second-liner. And it's pretty split. And I think this is kind of where the fan base is right now. These are all good ideas. If you had to pick one, where's your number one priority? And a lot of people are in different spots. Duchesne at $9 bucks is the leader at 32%. Ristolainen for a second liner is in second at 25%. Donskoy at $4 million for 22%. That could really be any. Uh, like third, borderline second, third liner though. You could plug in for that name. And then in last, and barely last, is a Marner offer sheet at 21%. I just used him. He's kind of the poster boy for uh, the offer sheet wars that could happen uh, this year. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll hear from Tage Thompson in the next hour. Let's go to Eric and Geneseo. Eric, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, good, Joe. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. I love the Bills, love the Sabres, etc. I don't want to hog up too much of your time. No, go ahead. What I want to make is uh, we haven't won a lick of anything with, with Ristolainen on this team over the last five, six, years or whatever it's been by getting rid of them we're not getting any worse i just wanted to hear your uh, well i mean thing. to me to me i think you are getting worse in a way think about it this way if you take Ristoline and off your team who am i giving more minutes to 
Bogosians, Scandellas, if those guys are still on my teams and they're getting bigger minutes, well, at least my blue line, I think, is getting worse. Forward, it depends what I get back. But, see, to me, I I always struggle with that, though. I I don't like the, the logic that, hey, I've been bad with him as my best defenseman for so long, he must be the problem. Well, maybe just you just don't need you don't want him to be your best defenseman. Maybe that's not on him. Is it his fault that the next best player on defenseman on the team for four years was Josh George's? Because that's who was playing top pair. I think that's where I'm at. Thanks for the call. Like a lot of people think that way. It's not Ristolainen's fault that Josh George's was the second best defenseman on this team in minutes for a long time, like three, four years. It's not Ristolainen's fault that Cody Franzen was a second-pair guy for you. Or that you needed Jake McCabe to be your number three defenseman. I love Jake McCabe. He's not a number three defenseman in this league. It's not his fault that they tanked for a year and Andre Benoit and Andre Mazaros were on this team. And Tyson Strachan. Remember him? How did he make the league? He could not skate. I'm talking about Tyson Strachan now. How did we get there? You get my point, though. I think if you settle him into a role he's meant for, three, the third defenseman or the fourth defenseman, suddenly he's not the lightning rod number one guy that everyone turns to when the blue line's not performing. And he's just a part of a blue line. And that's it. That's fine. That's what I'd like to see. Thanks for the call. 803 is the phone number. We'll hear from Tage Thompson in hour number two. He had some interesting things to say, not just on his uh, his development and development camp, but also Ryan O'Reilly and kind of looking back on the Blues trade that brought him here uh, last offseason. So we'll hear from him in the next hour. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. America! The Nightcap. Nobody can stop the USA. Yeah. That's not I am talking about freedom, about choice. America, I don't think you need to worry. Because if you want to beat China, you will. If you don't, that's fine. That, my friend, is your victory. Who do you play for? Play for the United States of America. On WGR Sports Radio 550. A week from tomorrow is the 4th of July. It's about as patriotic and open as we have here at the station. Little Michael Scott, little Charlie Day, little Herb Brooks. Little, who's the player? Why can't I name the player? Is a Ruzioni, I think, right? It's gotta be. 
Mike Ruzioni. You know, it's, it, it's got to be. Ah, I'm going to hate myself if I'm wrong on that. I should know it. Um, yeah, so a week from tomorrow is July 4th. The uh, One Bills Live guys, the Instigator guys, are off next week. The Instigators will be here on Monday all day from noon to 3. Uh, but past that, you'll have uh, a bit of a rotation. Me and Brayton will be filling in throughout the week. Nate Geary will be along. Sal Capaccio will be filling in. So stay tuned for some uh, pretty good content in the afternoons next week, including myself, who will be a part of that. 803 is the phone number. The number one priority for the Sabres for next week should be what? For me, it's Matt Duchesne. Matt Larkin came out with an article today that I think really highlights how realistic Duchesne is an idea for the Sabres. His hometown, where he's from, the closest NHL city to that is Buffalo. It's kind of like the Skinner thing. In fact, I think he grew up closer to here than Skinner did. Um, that's definitely right. Skinner's more from Toronto. And he's a great player. He's not O'Reilly. To me, he's the offensive production of O'Reilly without the without the defensive side of it. But he's faster. So if you want to look at it stylistically, maybe you're upgrading in speed for sure uh, on that front. Just a great offensive player. And I think he's at a point in his career, 28 years old, he's looking for the big contract, and the Sabres have the cap to do it. $50 million in space next year. Only a couple guys to sign. Yes, Darlene and Reinhardt will be a lot of money, but it's not going to be $50 million. <laughs> and It's not even possible. So there's definitely room to get that done. You got some bad contracts coming off your books. Scandella, Bogosian, Molson's already done, Pominville's done, Sabotka's got one year left. They're getting there on the bad deals. The only one left is Oposo. 8030550 is the phone number. Read through some texts and tweets. Matt would like to see an offer sheet of Patrick Line, which is an interesting one. I don't think we've really heard a lot of Line because it just seems like, you know, second overall pick. Doesn't it just seem far fetched that they would ever um, doesn't it just seem far fetched that they would ever do that? They would let him get away. He's the franchise player. Is he not the face of their franchise? If he's not, he should be. Development camp also going on. I, I should have mentioned that. Development camp is going on this week. Um, I'm going tomorrow. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the prospects. I go every year. I didn't get a chance to go down today, so I'm looking forward to seeing cousins by Paul. Uh, his eyes and most people's eyes down there at the arena. He is fast, and he is, he's is he got wheels. Tage Thompson, we're going to hear from him in a few minutes. He puts it that Cousins has wheels. And from the videos that I've seen, he looks like he can skate like the wind. Six foot three, can skate like that. There's not a lot of downside to me for that pick. A guy like that seemingly will make the league. Now, will he be a star player? Will he even be a top six player? That's definitely in question. But the more and more I see of him and read of him, it sounds more. The pick sounds like a better and better idea to me because I I'm not really seeing as much downside in him. It's a hockey prospect, so there's always downside, but not as much as you'll typically get. Like Cole Caulfield, everyone wanted the Sabres draft Cole Caulfield, but what happens if his shot doesn't translate? It probably will. He set the record in goals at the U.S. Uh, development team program. But what happens if it doesn't translate? He's not an NHL player. He's 5'7". He doesn't have the hands to make his money that way. He's fast, but he's not blazing fast. I think Cousins is faster than him. He's not an NHL player. There's a lot. There's some big downside there. Cousins, you know, it won't be a success if he becomes Gergensen's and becomes a third, fourth liner, but... It seems pretty likely to me, given his makeup uh, and his skill set, that he's going to at least make the league. 
And you should typically get that out of a 7th overall pick. But, you know, Alex Nylander was an 8th overall pick a couple years ago, and I wouldn't hold my breath on him being an NHL player. Definitely could happen, but we're four years in, and I'm not seeing a sign that it's going to happen. Anyways, though, offseason, what are you looking for? 803-0550 is the phone number. Free agency starts on Monday. Lots of options for the Sabres. Let's go to John in Buffalo. John, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, good evening there, Sneaky Joe. How's it going? I guess I'm looking for him. I really don't want to do it, but if you can train Ristolainen for something good, I think that's our only option. Now, on you just happened to mention that one key to maybe getting Duchesne would be the close proximity to where he grew up. Really? Does it really matter? The man's going to make over $10 million a year. He can buy his own helicopter. Well, it could. I mean, it seemed to matter to Skinner. Skinner could have got that money elsewhere, and he decided to stay here, and he cited the fact that, hey, his family, who lives only an hour and a half away, they would almost never get to see him play in Carolina, whereas last year they were driving down all the time to see him play. That's got to matter at least a little bit. I don't know. Skinner's the only one you ever heard that from, other than some guys want... He's not, he's not the only one. I mean, it doesn't always happen here, but, I mean, come on. John Tavares went back to the Leafs because he grew up a Toronto fan. And I'm not saying Duchesne grew up a Sabre fan, but You're come right. on, man. That's got to matter. Or it, it, it very well could matter. How about that? All right. I'm just... I'd just like to argue with you, that's all. <laughs> all right, John, thanks for the call, man. Um, and it's I, I just looked it up. I don't think he's actually... Matt Larkin may have been off on where how close he was from here. He worded it as Duchesne is the, the closest NHL city to where Duchesne grew up is Buffalo. And maybe I should have double-checked that. Matt Larkin's usually pretty solid. Um, you know, everybody misses, but I think he may have missed on this on this one. Because, uh, actually, to be honest, he's from Halliburton. And it's not, I mean, it's it's closer to Toronto than it is to Ottawa. But it's not like he's right on the doorstep. So maybe we were uh, overhyping that a little bit in the last hour here because, yeah, it's a four-hour drive. Well, that kind of ruins a part of my argument. Not going to lie. Just a little bit. He is uh, closer to Toronto than anywhere else. He's about as close to Ottawa as he, or his hometown's about as close to Ottawa as it is to Buffalo. So, I mean, you're right there. If that is important to him, and he's not going to Toronto, still could be the case. The cap space was always the biggest reason for me, though. But there's that. Halliburton, Ontario is where he's from. Right south of Algonquin Provincial Park. There's a lot of parks and uh, wildlife reserves, it seems, on this map here of Canada. A lot of forest. Anyways, 803 is the number. He's still my favorite idea, for sure. Tage Thompson has been a bit of a polarizing prospect in the last 12 months, given that he was the main piece back for the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Interesting comments from him today. Um, I didn't think we were going to give hockey players, you know, they don't always give you a whole lot. And Thompson, you know, he, he sounded pretty emotional when talking about, when being asked about the O'Reilly trade. Um, there's a few minutes of Tage Thompson. We'll get back to your calls in a little bit. Tage Thompson, though, some interesting stuff from him at development camp earlier today. Obviously, our uh, season didn't end the way we wanted, and we were, um, you know, sent home a little early. And it's always nice to get back on the ice. You know, after a while off, you're, you're itching to get back out there. I know it's only day one, but being that 
Ralph is here and, and you are back on the ice, what's the biggest thing you want to show him over the next couple of days? Um, yeah, it's a great opportunity. I'll you know, make a good first impression. I, I think just keeping it simple, just focusing on um, working hard every day, making sure I'm paying attention to the details. And I think, you know, from there, just having fun. Um, you know, it's exciting to be a part of uh, the Sabres organization and see all the new guys coming in and get to know new faces and uh, get back on the ice. What was the biggest thing you found in your game when you got to Rochester? Um, I think for me, the biggest thing was just confidence. Uh, you go down there and get some playing time and, uh, you know, Tails put me in a bunch of key situations, and um, I think once you get those those puck touches back and start to feel a puck, and you know a couple go in for you, you start to get confidence back in your game. Hey, what's your um, concentration been for the summer? We're only about halfway through, but yeah. what kind of training have you been doing, and will you be doing this summer? Yeah, I've been doing a, a lot of single leg stuff, a lot of leg, lower half uh, strength, uh, a lot of stability. Um, you know, things that are going to translate to the ice just be being strong in the corners and um, you know using my body cutting to the net and uh, being able to, to take pucks uh, against bigger guys. Do you feel the pressure of wanting to make the big league, you know, wanting to make the, the NHL roster, being up there, getting a taste of it last year, then coming down? Do you feel pressure? How do you handle the pressure? Is there just like anything else? I, I don't know. Honestly, I just try to take it one day at a time. Uh, I don't want to think too far ahead. Obviously, I want to make the team and do whatever I can to help them win. Um, you know, we're halfway through the summer here, so my focus is just getting stronger and um, you know, improving my game. How much time is it for you, you know, being a part of this team through the summer? Last year you get traded after this kind of stuff happens and you join kind of in the middle. How is the, yeah. diff- how is the approach different now that, you know, yeah. unless something changes, you're with the team all the way through? Yeah, I mean, um, I got my feet wet halfway through the summer. Um, now I've been here for the whole summer, so it's, uh, you know, I'm a little more comfortable this time around. I already know a lot of the guys, and um, I think just coming to the rink and seeing familiar faces, um, it, it just makes you uh, a little more calm. You're a young, developing player with a bright future. How difficult does how the trade has worked out so far make it for you? In what what terms do you mean? Well, you know, you see Ryan doing all those great things, and, and you're developing, trying to make the team here. Is that hard for you to see all the time and hear people talk about it? It is what it is. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly's an unbelievable player, so it's a... Not a surprise that he's having unbelievable success with St. Louis. So, um, you know, obviously I expected that. Um, but with myself, I, I can only control what I can control. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if uh, there's a lot of talk about me, um, I don't know, not performing or whatever, but I, I try to just focus on what I can do to get better and uh, what I can do to improve my game. It's a process, it's not a race to, um, you know, get there. Um, I want to be a, a long-term NHL player and for the Sabres for a long time and um, you know, development's a, a slow process and um, you know, I'm willing to work and do whatever the coaches need me to do to, to eventually get there. Now what, you had time, now what were your impressions watching the final, seeing a lot of your friends winning the cup? It's bittersweet. Um, obviously it sucks. You, you, you want to win the cup so you don't want to um, see anyone else win it, especially your old team. Um, but at the same time, I'm happy for a lot of the guys I played with, um, especially, you know, guys that have been there forever, um, like Petro and all the vets there. Um, you know, they haven't won one. Uh, and it's, it's nice to see them win one. And uh, I know how hard they've worked um, and how much it means to them. Now that you've had time to reflect on your season, I guess what did you learn about yourself through that process? Based some different adversity last season. Uh, that's a good question. Um, uh, I think just staying staying positive. Um, it doesn't matter what people say 
about you. I know, um, you know, within myself and my support group around me, um, the, the people that are close to me, I know they believe in me. I believe in myself. Um, so, you know, whatever negative is uh, said about me, I think just staying positive and, and confident throughout the whole process and uh, just trusting in myself. You were out there a lot with the first overall pick, Dylan Cousins. What did you think of him when you were out there skating with him? First impression, unbelievable speed. Uh, he's got wheels. Um, he's got a pretty good shot, and um, you know I, I think his, his competes pretty good. He's he's someone that you definitely notice every time the puck's on his stick. Um, so I'm excited to continue to play with him and watch him. Hey, what was it like to see your brother get called last week? Uh, I couldn't be happier for him. Uh, I wanted to be there. Um, obviously, it would have been a, a tough travel, Vancouver back and then up to Buffalo. So um, couldn't make it out there, but my whole family is out there, and um, he's probably the hardest working kid you'll ever meet. Um, and he's gotten passed over the past couple of years, and it's nice to see him get rewarded for how hard he works. Um, he's a, a great player. He's uh, you know starting to develop. Um, had a great season at Providence. So um, you know my family and uh, all my my friends that know him are uh, extremely happy and proud of him. How valuable was that time getting sent down to Rochester? Did you feel like it was kind of a hit the reset button? You talked about getting touches and getting back into it. How valuable was that experience for you? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, you know, they're an unbelievable team. They're in first, and um, it was a great opportunity to go down there and get some playoff games and help them win. Um, I, obviously, we didn't have the, uh, the result we wanted there in the first round, but uh, it was a great opportunity to go down there and like I said, play in all situations, get puck touches and confidence back in my game. Thank you. Thanks, Tage Thompson, who was at development camp meeting with the media earlier today. It's, it's interesting that, I mean, the guy's played over 100 games and he's at development camp. I, I, it's fine. I think you should be. I just am wondering where Alex Nylander is. The Sabres are saying he's three years pro, so, you know, he's not there. Well, okay. If that's the case, why is Victor Olofsson there? Are we not counting the Swedish league as pro? Because that's men. And Olafson played four se- five seasons there. He played parts, if not entirety, uh, or he played at least part of five different seasons in the Swedish league and a season in Rochester. He's 23. I mean, he has kind of played six years of pro hockey. And he's there. Like, I just want to know where Alex Nylander is. Why is he not there? Is, is it arbitrary rules that are making this the case? Because if that if it's a Sabre rule, make an exception. I mean, they're talking last week, Jason Bottrell, is about how Rasmus Ristolainen still has upside and he's still a developing player. 24 years old. All right, fine. If you want to believe that, you can sell that to me. 24 years old, like they're still upside, therefore he's still developing. How is Alex Nylander still not developing? It's called development camp. He hasn't made the league he was an eighth overall pick. How is he not at development camp? It's not something to really, I think, that's a huge deal. But, I mean, elite, Thompson's there. Thompson has played over 100 games in the league. But I can't get the first-round pick who's played 20 games in the NHL there because he played in the AHL one more season. Victor Olsson, same thing. Five years in the Swedish Hockey League which is men, a year in Rochester. He's there. Maybe it's a Nylander thing. I don't know. There have been attitude questions about him in Rochester. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. I don't want to speculate on that, but it's just like, you know, 
I, I never liked the pick in the first place. I have never liked the player. I've never, I've not liked his development track. And you've got a development camp. You're trying to develop your young players. And maybe the person in the organization that needs more f- attention on his development than anybody else isn't there. Where is he? 8030550 is the phone number. If you want to talk about development camp, we'll take your calls, but we're also looking for your number one priority for the offseason. 8030550 is the phone number. Let's go to CJ in Buffalo. CJ, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. I just wanted to comment development camp. And yeah, sure. Sure, what do you got? Honestly, Case Thompson, like, almost didn't belong there. I don't know what the idea was, but he was head and shoulders above everybody in all the skills. Um, you know, I mean, I, th- I really think it's just a thing where the organization believes in him and get, wants to get them to know him because there are some guys that are there that are going to grow with him. Um, I thought Hickey looked really good. I thought Bryson looked really good. And um, of goalies, I mean, Johansson was all right. And so was that kid, uh, Welsh. Um, mm-hmm. but, the goalie? Uh, but overall, I mean, yeah. what's that? The goalie, Welsh, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I thought he looked really good. Um, but, um, but, yeah, you know, like I said, Thompson was just above everybody. See, I, I'm a little I, – I don't know how much stock I want to put into that, too. Like, I feel like he should look like that. So I'm not going to criticize him for it, obviously. But I don't know if you went to development camp last year. Maybe it was even the year before. And I remember Justin Bailey being there and just looking like a league above everybody else because it was like his fifth development camp, and he was super fast, and he just looked like he was a level above. And then, you know, when you expect him to take that jump to the league, it didn't happen. So I, I don't want to completely say – you know, t- doesn't mean anything that Thompson's there and Thompson's better than everyone right now. Um, but you can only, I guess, take it with a grain of salt because Bailey did the same thing. Well, you know, I I went to development camp last year. I did not go the year before. Um, you know, I, I definitely agree that Bailey did look good last year. Yeah. Um, and was definitely kind of a, a level above most of the other guys. But he was also. I should. I should. I should have made this point, or I should have said this. I think Thompson is a couple years younger when than Bailey was last year too, though. Uh, yeah, I do believe you're correct. Yep. Yeah. In that note, um, but um, but yeah, I mean, Thompson was just closing on everything. I mean, almost every time he had the opportunity for a shot today, it was like in the net. You know, regardless of what goalie he was going against. Um, but really, I mean, be a five hole up top. I mean, he was able to really show what the weakness of the younger guys were. Um, but, um, but yeah, like I said, but Hickey, Hickey and uh, Bryson were the other two guys that kind of stood out with me. Um, you know, that, uh, that really like made an impression on me. Yeah. You know, as an amateur observer, but, uh, seeing guys who can move on their skates quick, you know, Good reaction time, but cool. uh, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I think the Sabres have a bright future. Nice, hey, hey, hey CJ, thanks for the call, man. I, I'm going tomorrow, and I'm hoping to see a lot of the things that uh, that you saw too. Um, Bailey did not go to development camp last year. I got the roster in front of me, and I don't see him. Um, that I'm, I'm glad. 
And part of me's glad he wasn't there last year because I would about to unleash right now if that was the case. Like I'm, I was already a little fired up about Nylander not being there when I think he needs more development than anybody else. He needs more focus. And if Bailey had been there last year after like four years in the AHL, I, I would have unleashed. I would have been, ugh. He wasn't though. So we don't have to go down that route. 8030550 is the phone number. Thanks for the call. We'll hear from Greg Wyshynski before we get out of here. This is good stuff from him, as always, on uh, the NHL offseason, which the free agency opens on Monday. So uh, we'll see some more action probably pick up in the, in the in the coming days. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. Keep the calls coming at 8030550 here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap, interview of the daytime. It's not often I get to use Greg Wyshynski for that. He's one of my favorite guys we have on the station. So, of course, we're going to give you the opportunity to listen to the former puck daddy of Yahoo. He's now at ESPN. Greg Wyshynski on the NHL offseason free agency, which begins on Monday with Howard and Jeremy earlier today. Here's Greg with the guys. Uh, 8030550 to join us. So, yeah, uh, let's talk about some ideas for the Sabres. Trades, free agents. Offer sheets are open to anything at this point. Uh, we're going to the Western Hotline, and we're going to cover all this stuff with Greg Wyshynski, who's the senior NHL writer for ESPN.com. Joining us right now, Greg, it's Howard and Jeremy. Good morning. Thank you for coming on with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, you've done a couple of good breakdowns, I thought. Uh, you had trade targets that you had written about, and I'm just looking over your breakdown on free agents and the different tiers of free agents. So, Greg, this just in, the Sabres have room for improvement. Um, multiple needs. I know this is going to come as a big surprise for you. So help us out here. All right. Um, number two center, another top two line scoring winger, um, bottom six depth, adding scoring, maybe a defenseman. So in terms of trade targets, how about some, let's start at center because you had a guy on your list who Jeremy and I have talked about. If the Leafs are looking to create some cap space, uh, who I think would be good value, and that's Nazem Kadri. Let's talk about who you think would be good center trade targets, and what, what about Kadri starting there for Buffalo? Well, Kadri would be an interesting, uh, interesting target. I mean, you know, obviously uh, comes with a little baggage. Uh, yeah. Maybe you don't want him to be in a playoff series against the Boston Bruins anytime soon because he seems to always get suspended. Uh, but, you know, it would be an interesting move for the Sabres to explore, one, because obviously the Leafs are – in a precarious cap position, needing to sign Mitch Marner to a monster contract and might still look to be shipping out salary. But also because, you know, Kadri's a guy who has hit 30 goals before, who has some offensive upside along with being a very, very good defensive player. You wonder, you know, if, in fact, Casey Middlestats can end up being a third-line center uh, this season, if, if you could slot Kadri in maybe one step above where he's been playing in Toronto as a second-line center and have to be effective in that role. Yeah, that's what we were looking at, right? You know, again, his role, right, right, changes as they added players over the years in Toronto. But I think, you know, and he's a good two-way player, I think he would be a guy who it wouldn't be asking him to overstep his role, so to speak, to put him at number two behind Eichel. I don't think. Yeah, it, it, it would be an interesting move. And, you know, I don't know exactly what the – what the freight would be as far as going back the other way, what, what the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs would be looking for. But again, I, I think what you, what you just said is, is sort of going to be the, maybe the key to this offseason for Buffalo. Um, 
rather than trying to go into unrestricted free agency and find solutions there, because there aren't a lot for what Buffalo needs, is to try to utilize the cap space that they have, and I think they have about $11 million of it, um, and, you know, see what, what shakes free from the tree from some of these teams that are in a precarious cap position. I mean, you look, for example, like at the Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, that should be a place where Jason Botterill is calling every day. Uh, they need to clear a ton of cap space uh, before next season. And, uh, you know, when you look at the Sabres' needs, particularly maybe on the blue line, that's a place where you might be able to reach out and try to grab a player or two off the Vegas roster. Yeah, we were talking. I, I want to get back to forwards, but since you swung over to Vegas, one of the guys you had and we've talked about is Colin Miller. Could you call Vegas and, and get add a defenseman to your right side, especially if you're trading Ristolainen, who has a very reasonable contract? I know his play kind of tailed off. Maybe he maybe he got into a little bit of a doghouse out there, but how about that because they do have to move players off their roster? Yeah, precisely. And I mean, you you got him, you've got Braden McNabb, who's another guy who's got a, a great contract on the left side through 2022. I mean, there's there's a, there are possibilities out there. And you know, you bring up the rest alignment thing and that's that's kind of the uh the domino that's going to set in motion a lot of things. I mean, if obviously if they move him, they're going to be moving him for help up front in theory. Yep. Uh so that, you know, could change the the approach to the off season. But if you move him, you also then have to replace him, which is going to be uh, something that you know a Colin Miller possibly could help to to that end. But I'm I'm sort of in the in the camp of of wanting to see, you know, what a Retzelainen does under a Ralph Kruger. You know, I, I I'm intrigued to see you know what happens to his development maybe under a new coach. You know, give that a year, see where it goes. I think he's a really talented guy. But again, if 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 you if you're presented with an opportunity where you can get yourself a legitimate number two center on this team, which I think is a glaring hole right now, then it's something you're going to have to explore. I think too with Rista Line and Greg, you know, you look at the defense market right now. I don't think there are a lot of options in terms of UFAs. Um, you've got Myers, you've got Gardner, and then maybe a guy like Strawman, who's a little bit older, though. And you had some some names on, I mean, Krug is a huge name out there if the Bruins are willing to move him. I think if the Sabres are looking to trade with Salina because of the relative um, thinness, if you will, <laughs> lack of depth in UFAs, I think there's value for Ristolainen and in the trade market because there's not a lot you're going to spend on as a, as a UFA. Absolutely, I, but the issue you come back to is that you know he he's without question a, a commodity that's coveted in this league. Yeah. The problem is is that what you're looking for, which is a number two center, is maybe equal to or even more coveted in this league. <laughs> you sure. know? So it's uh, it becomes a real conundrum as to you know what the market is for a defenseman like him, and then what the possible targets could be out there uh, from teams that have an asset that, you know, you're going to have to pry away from them. You mentioned, so one other thing on centers, we asked you about Kadri. We, I know we had talked a lot about JT Miller. I was kind of depressed when I saw he was traded to Vancouver. Um, one of the other names you brought up in your list is, Vla, uh, is Vladislav Nemesnikov from the Rangers. What about that for a fit here? Well, the Rangers are a really interesting fit uh, for, for the Sabres trade-wise. I mean, the Rangers, um, you know, it's funny, I was, I was talking to Jeff Gordon at the draft, the general manager, and he was wondering why his phone wasn't ringing. They've got players that they're looking to shed right now, uh, you know, Nemestikov being one of them, that, uh, that I think they, you, could, you could get from them for a pretty reasonable price as the, as the Rangers continue to transition uh, in this rebuild that they've been in. 
and aren't exactly ratcheting it up quite yet. And, and in, in the case of the Mestikoff, he's uh, a USA next summer, I believe. So he's, he'd be an interesting target. You know, he, he's not somebody – he's somebody who, who improved his game as the season went on for them this year, uh, has shown in the past that he can play with some high-end talent with his time in, in, in Tampa. Um, I think there was some culture shock after that trade, uh, and he's, he had to kind of get used to the New York thing. Um, an interesting, an interesting uh, target, and one that might not cost you a whole heck of a lot, considering his uh, free agency status uh, next summer. What about uh, one last thing on the Rangers? He's not a center, but what about Kreider as an option? Well, that's going to cost you. <laughs> okay, Kreider's in terms Kreider's, of trade, uh, and then the next contract, or, or what, when you say it's going to cost you what? Well, no, yeah, I mean the trade itself, I think, is going to cost you because I think in, in the case of Domestikov, you're talking about a player that may not necessarily have a derby of teams around him try to acquire him. But if Kreider's on the block, uh, there's going to be any number of teams that are going to try to pick this kid up and, and, uh, and then try to extend him. Um, he's, he's a, he could be a force. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that goes to the net, crashes in that place, the kind of style of hockey that, in theory, you need to play in order to win, say, in the postseason. Um, he's an asset, and, and would, he, would he be great in the Sabres? Absolutely. What, what a, you know, a component that I think that team is missing is a Chris Kreider type, uh, but I think that it would definitely be a, a trade that in which the Sabres would have to ante up something to get him and then hoping that they could extend him uh, beyond that. We're with Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer, ESPN.com. I mentioned you put out an article about the free agents, and you've broken them down into tiers, and I, I wanted to get into the second tier, which you refer to as the smart gambles, because there are a number of names that we've already talked about on the show this week, including a couple guys in San Jose. We had Dan Rosanowski on the show yesterday, Greg, the Sharks play-by-play man, and we asked him, because it sure looks like one or both of these guys just will not fit with their cap. Jonas Donskoy, Gustav Nyquist. Um, you mentioned Brett Connolly. The Caps are in, in, you know, having cap issues. I, I, we, we talk about Anders Lee, although I would think he would be the largest price tag of that group. What do you think? Well, I, I think two of the guys you mentioned are interesting. I mean, you know, uh, in the case of the Sharks, you're right. They're, they're facing a financial crunch. Not everybody is going to be able to come back because of the Carlton contract. And, uh, and one of the guys uh, that I like a lot and I think could, could certainly help on anybody's uh, team and maybe even play in a top-six role is Jonas Donskoy. Uh, Donskoy is a right wing. Uh, he's a guy who can be a, a possession machine, as he was for the Sharks down their lineup. Really creative offensive player. Looks like he's going to have to move on from that team. Um, you, you bring up Nyquist. I think the thing with Nyquist is that he's going to cost you a bit. Okay. Um, and I, I do think there's going to be a market for him. He's a, a natural goal scorer and a real perfect fit on uh, on teams that uh, that have say like good young centers like the Vancouver Canucks have, for example. Uh, I think that's a place where he could end up. Uh, but Donskoy is a guy who I think if it, it could be a real diamond in the rough type um, if you could uh, give him the term that he might be looking for, and also. The thing we haven't talked about with the Sabres, uh, and this is sort of a blessing and a curse, is that you know they're not the deepest team, right? So it's, if you're a, an unrestricted free agent, if you're if you're uh, someone that you're acquiring by a trade, one of the appealing things for the player is going to be the ability to have 
a massive amount of ice time very quickly versus mm-hmm. what maybe what you've been getting with your own team. But of course, that also means that the Sabres have some holes to fill. Sure. So, like I said, bless, blessing and a curse. But when it comes to recruiting a, a guy like Donskoy, who might have been in a, in a on a fourth or third line role, and then all of a sudden might be able to play up in the lineup, I think that could be an appealing pro, uh, prospect. I, I guess, and the other thing we were going to bring up in terms of the Sabres and the, the moves they need to make is what's been going on in the division. I'd even bring up the conference because you can say the Devils and the Rangers improved themselves with their, their two draft picks and their, their respective trades. But you look at the, at the division, too. Tampa is where they are. Tampa, uh, Tampa Toronto, Boston are, are good. Montreal, I think, was better than I thought they were going to be last season. Florida, we expect to make one, if not two, major moves to add to their young talent. You look around the division, too, and it's uh, kind of a scary situation for Sabre fans. Yeah, it's an arms race, and the, and the Sabres are certainly lagging behind right now. I mean, you know, listen, this, the Skinner move, uh, they overpaid him for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, without question, there will be a moment in that contract where uh, they're going to regret having, you know, saddled a $9 million cap hit to him. Uh, but they needed to. I mean, they found a guy that can play with Jack, and they also needed to, you know, send up the bat signal to other players that, hey, look, we're open for business. This is the level of commitment that we have. Um, and at the very least, you go into next season hoping that you have a, a top line solidified. The problem is that uh, everybody else in, in the division, everybody else in the conference has well beyond a top line solidified. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it, it is a, a tough hill to climb right now if you're the Buffalo Sabres looking around that division and wondering exactly where the playoff spots going to come from, looking around that conference and then all of a, seeing, all of a sudden seeing, like you said, uh, some of the teams that were also ran in the playoff race last year really uh, increase their odds to make it next year. So it is a, a daunting task ahead of them based not only on you know their own needs, but also looking around the conference and saying to yourself, wow, everybody seems to have gotten exponentially better the last uh, few, few months. Final thing for you, Greg, in, in your conversations, whether it's GMs, agents, whoever around the league, RFA period has opened up, the contact period, as you've talked to people, do you is it lip service on offer sheets? Do you seriously think some team or teams will actually uh, make the plunge? I, you know, if it's ever going to happen, it's going to happen this year. And you know, I talked to Ray Shiro of the Devils uh, last week, and he uh, emphatically said that there is no old boys network or gentlemen's agreement to uh, prevent people from handing out offer sheets. I take him at his word, but. Until we see one, <laughs> you have to imagine there's at least some semblance of collusion here uh, to, to not have them. Um, you know, when you, when you tender an offer sheet, it, it's a domino effect. I mean, it could lead to other ones. It could also lead to a dramatic increase in salary as you try to entice someone to leave. So, you know, there are reasons why these guys don't do it, but uh, there's so many RFAs and so many interesting ones. Top-tier guys like Marner, Sebastian Ajo from Carolina, and then other guys that are a bit, you know, further down the salary scale that are available. It, it seems like such a, a logical way for you to try to improve your team. But I'll say the same thing I always say about offer sheets. It's not simply tendering one. A, a guy's going to want to have to sign it, mm-hmm. and then uh, other, the other team's going to want to have to not match it. So that's one of the reasons why these, uh, these machinations are so tough is because all of these other things have to fall in place. Uh, you know, that extra step, if you will, for an RFA, and that makes it really, really tough insofar as trying to complete that transaction. Well, hopefully things pick up. We have a lot of stuff going on uh, with the July 1 signing period coming up on Monday. Thank you for uh, coming on with us this morning. We appreciate you giving us some time today. 
You got it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. There is Greg Wyshynski of ESPN with Howard and Jeremy this morning. I believe I found the rule. Uh, I actually went through the NHL CBA because I got a little hot there in the last segment on why Nylander wasn't at uh, development camp, and I probably shouldn't have just assumed it was a Sabre rule. There is something in the NHL CBA that says Nylander can't be there. Uh, I'll let you know what that is when we and, and that Thompson can. Uh, I'll let you know what that is when we come back. It's the nightcap with Jody Biasi. Last call after this, 803-0550 for any final thoughts here on WGR. I think he's a great player. Played with him all year in the PP. Good skater, really good shot. Sees the ice well. I mean, just uh, I think just a nowadays modern modern center. You don't have to, you don't have to be that big anymore. So I think I think he's a great player, and I was uh, lucky to play with him last year. Ah, uh, scary, ah, uh, scary third round pick of the Sabers a couple years ago. Interesting project, interesting prospect. That's him talking about our two Rootsalainen who might be on the roster this year. He's at development camp. I believe I have uncovered something in the NHL CBA that pertains to Alex Nylander not being at development camp. The Sabres today uh, said that, maybe it was Chris Taylor, said that because he's been a pro for three years, he doesn't have to be there, or that he that's why he's not there. From what I am reading in the CBA, unless I am missing something, the Sabres can't require Nylander to go to development camp, but he had the option to do so. So in the NHL CBA, it labels development camps as conditioning camps. There are a bunch of different uh, qualifications that you must meet to attend. Um, it says participation in conditioning camps will be limited to the following. Unsigned draft picks, any player in the entry-level system with less than 120 games, excuse me, and also did not play in excess of 70 games last year. That pertains to Tage Thompson. He played less than 120 games in the NHL. I think he's played 105. He also played 65 last year for the Sabres, so that's less than 70. Maybe they had that in mind when they sent him to Rochester. Also, draft-related unrestricted free agents. Players who were eligible for selection in the preceding entry draft but were undrafted, so undrafted free agents. Those are some of the tryout players. Then, we're in... The CBA, Article 15, Section 10, Subsection D. No player in conditioning camps, I, I believe here, are basically development camps. No player shall be required to participate in more than three conditioning camps in total for any one club. Nylander would fit that description. He has, he has participated in three development camps, 2016, 2017, 2018, I believe. Then it says, but may ha opt to do so in his sole discretion. So I believe by reading that, unless I'm missing something, that Alex Nylander chose not to go to development camp. And if that's the case, I have a problem with that. If that's the case. Like I said, I, th I might be missing something here, but if this is true, that... The Sabres can't require him to participate in more than three conditioning camps or development camps in total for one club, but he may opt to do so. That reads to me that Alex Nylander chose not to be here this weekend when he probably should be here. 
Because as I mentioned a couple segments ago, that guy needs more focus on his development than any other player in the organization. He was a top 10 pick four years ago, three years ago, and he has not made the team. You are on bus territory when you've done that. He needs to get here, if that's the case. 803-0550 is the phone number for any last thoughts. Actually, you know what? We're out of time. I don't have time to take a call. I wish I did. Um, sorry to Tony, who's hanging on the line here, but I got to get out of here. So we got to get to Pit Reporters, which is coming up next. Stay tuned for that here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.